This week, we start the advice column. We're going to be talking about the very delicate topic of encouraging a loved one without feeling like you're nagging them. Uh, a listener reached out with concerns about her husband's dangerous weight and his resistance to change, and we explore whether or not we can actually change a person. So we're just like diving in the deep end here. Here we go. Welcome to Doing the Best We Can with Eddie Hoffoltz. We, we hope, hope you enjoy the show. <laughs> thank you very much. Eve and Lucy, those are my daughters that welcome us every week. And I'm Eddie, and I welcome you every week to Doing the Best We Can with Eddie Koffeltz. I am glad that you are here. I got a week off last week. Maybe some of you saw on Instagram. I was hanging out with the Uncle Jimmy, editor extraordinaire, brother extraordinaire, uh, as well as all of our families. Got some time in North Carolina, just some time to breathe and some time to think about this week's episode. Listen, a couple of quick plugs. One, if you are not subscribed to the newsletter, it would be huge if you did. It is uh, really helpful to have all of our podcasters subscribing to the newsletters. There's different content sometimes. <laughs> of course, I say that. The content is the same today on both of them. But uh, we're going to talk about, we have some good feedback uh, that I'm going to share today. But subscribe to the newsletter. The other thing is make sure you're subscribed to Spotify uh, or wherever you're listening to your podcast. So if you're listening to this on Apple, make sure you're subscribed to that. So as soon as it uh, show drops, it downloads to your phone. Why am I explaining how subscriptions work? I feel like you understand this, but I'm telling you as the person that is looking at the show and running the show, it is a very helpful thing and a great way to support the show is to be subscribing uh, and what the heck, rating and reviewing. But for right now, we'll just keep it at subscribing, subscribing all around. So thank you for doing that. Uh, I so appreciate your support of the show. If this is your first time here, Every single week I write a newsletter and then I jam record on this podcast machine that I'm sitting in front of and talk about uh, and kind of read to you the the newsletter and talk about uh, a little bit more about it and give it some context. You Stick around. It's like an audiobook. If you like audiobooks, you'll like this. What, a t <laughs> what another terrible sell. If you like audiobooks, you'll love my show. Anyhow, I'm glad you're here. If you're new, this whole thing is live, so bear with me. Uh, but hopefully that kind of live element sort of breaks down the veil between the two of us. And I'm actually being recorded right now because this is also on YouTube. So if for some reason watching me in my den read this to you is somehow helpful in you ingesting the information, well, there it is. Links to everything that I have been pitching for the last three minutes are in the show notes. Now I think it's time. I think it's time that we get into this week's uh, this week's main column. And also, this starts a brand new series for us where I'm going to be doing an advice column. So someone sent in a question, like we're going old school. Someone sent in a question, and I'm going to try to answer it. I'm curious what you think. I'm curious what I think. It was wild to write this. It was a it was a whole different thing. So here we go. I'm kind of delaying. Let's do it. Issue 38, his number one, his ride or die. Here's the question. Hi, Eddie. Long time listener. First time questioner. Anyhow, thanks for what you do. My question is, how can I encourage my husband to take his health seriously without being too naggy? My husband is dangerously overweight and doesn't seem to want to change. I know I can't change him, so how can I encourage him or should I just never mention it at all? Your advice is appreciated. Questioner. 
Questioner, your question has been occupying my mind for weeks. I've thought long and hard about what your husband is doing, what he might need to hear, what being unhealthy could indicate, and what we could tap into together that would make him pursue health. Conversely, I've wrestled with the notion that health is anyone else's to determine or comment on. What if he's happy the way he is? What if you have an unreasonable set of expectations on who or what a person should be? How much should he weigh? How do you know it's dangerous? How's your health? In all honesty, some of these thoughts were a bit protective of your husband, which is not fair to you, as you are clearly a kind and caring spouse. My personal feelings on this topic make it difficult for me to be impartial, given the elephant in the room. That elephant being, I suppose, me. You may not know this because I'm typically just a voice on a podcast or being filmed on a flattering angle for Instagram, but I'm overweight. Some would even say unhealthy. Hell, at this point, I would say unhealthy. Furthermore, and similarly to your husband, I struggle to change and am, and this probably is just my issue here, I am not easily swayed by the advice of anyone ever. So I've been thinking about him, me, a lot and curious how he is and what might be happening in his or my life. But he didn't email me. You did. And questioner, you are in an impossibly hard position. A position that has triggered the recollection of two memories for me. The first occurred while I was leading a marriage preparation course that my church offered. This happened over a decade ago, excuse me, a decade ago, and I was myself in a very new marriage and had no real idea what helping prepare a marriage would entail. But it was part of my role, so I helped organize the workshops and administer exercises to each couple that they would for each couple and they, they would engage in them. One of these exercises was a test that we would say wasn't a test, but kind of was. So this not test test came from the counseling world and was well known to be an accurate assessment of a couple's strengths and weaknesses. It was also a surprisingly accurate predictor of the likelihood of divorce. The way this assessment would work is that each individual in the couple would answer a hundred questions survey. These questions would cover big marriage topics like finances, in-laws, and sex, just to name a delightful few. Then, the couple would come together with a counselor or pastor, me, to discuss the similarities and differences in their answers. I actually loved these meetings because more often than not, the conversation would put to words the strengths and weakness that had been otherwise unspoken. And so I'd say something like, uh, you know, one of you is a saver and one of you is a spender. And they'd interrupt with a laugh, knowing who was who. And then we'd have a good chat about how they could navigate those similarities and differences. Furthermore, we would all consider the overall couple type that the testing company would assign to the couples based on the compatibility of their answers compared to the tens of thousands of other couples who had taken it before them. Nobody can fail, this test is what we'd say, but, the, but also the test could predict with such accuracy how a couple would fare in the long run. The score was typically the worst part of the meeting, so I'd just share it with them up front. For a vast majority of the couples, they'd be told they have an A or B-plus compatibility score, which would then deflate the tension in the room and allow us to resume a productive chat. But one time, and one time only, I got back the finished assessment and I saw that the couple scored a D-minus or maybe even an F. I don't, I don't remember exactly which one it was. I'd never seen this and I'd assumed that there was a testing error. 
For days, I was sick with anticipation. Like, that's not hyperbole, but I, also it's too gross to get into. But suffice to say, I was a mess, and I was not okay with what was about to go down. I knew I had to be honest with them. I knew my honesty would be, uh, would, would be way worse for them than even my current state of illness and migraine. Basically, it sucked. I shared with the couple that I thought they were incompatible. I advised them against getting married right now, and I told them that real counseling beyond what I could provide was what was needed. Then, predictably, I fielded their understandable and warranted anger. Of course they hated what I was saying. I did too. And of course they were mad at me. I'm sure I made mistakes in what I was saying. Even though it has been many years since then, and I have never actually spoken to them again after it, I still feel bad about how they were hurt in that meeting. I think of the words that Brienne, my wife, has quoted to me so many times from Brene Brown. Clear is kind, unclear is unkind. My delivery hurt them, but I suppose then it was better than hiding something I knew just to spare their feelings. Still though, it was brutal. And then there's the second recollection questioner. And this is something that I can only talk about for a sentence. I had a friend who was an addict. I never said anything because I thought it would hurt their feelings or damage our friendship, and I lost them to that addiction. Questioner, you said in your email that you can't change him, but I disagree. I respect what you're saying, and I love your deference to your friend and his process. Furthermore, you can't save him, and you aren't in control of him, but you actually can change him. And the reason you can is because you love him and because he loves you. Love is vicious, brutal, honest, forgiving, slow, and a contact sport. Yes, it's patient and kind and wedding flowers and honeymoon sex and all of that, but it's also the other parts of life. It's long work days and not enough money. It's growing older and watching your spouse change. It's distance and reconciliation, perseverance and exhaustion, loss and hope. It's the fullness of your life and the fullness of theirs knit together for better, for worse in nagging and in caring, in easy laughs and hard conversations. I've been reminded of your, by your question that love means not letting a friend die in front of you because you don't want to nag them. I've remembered that love means doing whatever it takes to make sure they know what you know about them, even if what you know will anger and or scare them. Love means being kind. That's from the Bible, which means being clear. That's from Brene. Questioner. You're his number one, his ride or die, his wife. Love him so much that he can't escape it. Love him so much that he starts to love himself like you love him. Love him despite the repercussions, despite how frustrated he may get with your honesty, despite how sick it may make you. Love him until it hurts and then keep going. That kind of love changes a person. Hmm. There we go. I'm so grateful to Questioner. Uh, I know who you are. I appreciate it. Um, and I just deeply appreciate you sending in that question and allowing us to consider this together. We're going to move now. There's no <laughs> no way to do this easily. We're going to take a left turn now. Uh, and I wanted to do, just share, uh, this is a week where I'm going to share a little bit of feedback uh, from the last few weeks. I love sharing your feedback. I love when you uh, reach out to me. I know sometimes I'm better or worse about replying to every single one. This time I've been pretty bad about it. But I did get three pieces of feedback that I wanted to share. Uh, the first is from Mary, Mary Piston. 
uh, Mary wrote, and this was Mary was responding to kind of the financial series that we had just done. But Mary gave great advice, just like straight advice. And I wanted us all to not miss it because I felt bad being the only one that got to read what she wrote. So Mary writes, thanks for highlighting donations as a regular part of personal finances. We had done a, a, a week on charitable giving like last week, two weeks ago. Uh, I'd like to point to the effectiveness of stable long-term giving. I don't think most people realize how much more nonprofits can do with the money they know that's coming each year for three years compared to crisis response donations. Great point. The same with overhead. While it's relevant to critically examine an organization's financial management, non-earmarked funds that can be used on on direct relief, but can also cover capacity building or the office rent can have a multiple uh, multiplicative effort on their impact. Let's trust each other, organizations and communities to know what their needs are and how to address them. And remember, donations mean more than money. They are signs of solidarity and support that tell communities and organizations. I see you. I'm with you. Let's do this. What a sentence. Donations mean more than money. They are signs of solidarity and support that tell communities. I see you. I'm with you. Let's do this. Finally, Mary writes, let's not let best be the enemy of better. While donations should be a part of a broader engagement with an issue, we shouldn't wait to give the perfect solution. It's important to fix the sandwich factory, (laughs) but it's necessary to make the sandwiches in the meantime. I hope people do their homework, and I hope they don't postpone giving because of choice anxiety or waiting for an optimal solution. Second to that, Mary. Thank you for that. Very good advice. Second person. Abigail. Abigail wrote, uh, I'm a numbers gal. I do accounting for a living. I have always had detailed accounting of my money. Not that I've always had a strict budget, but I know where every cent goes. Since being married, uh, we'll be three years in this November. Happy anniversary. Three years is no joke. We have struggled with coming together for finances. He, I believe that Abigail is speaking of her husband now, is more of the, if I just ignore it, it doesn't exist mentality. We are working on communicating better in this area, but do you have any resources that might help us work on budgeting together? It is new territory for the both of us. Abigail, it is so common that people like the two of you get together, right? Like, I bet he loves your, like, the fact that you're, like, an accountant and super focused. And I bet there's part of him, I don't want to put words in your mouth, but I bet there's part of it that's just his freewheeling chill nature of it right like there's something great about those two personalities but at the same time when it comes to something that is so black and white like like money right those two kind of ideologies can bump up against each other here's what's in your email that's amazing is that like there seems to be a desire to want to try to get better on this even if you're like not fully sure how for those of you watching on youtube i just looked to my left because the cat is slowly inching towards me and i have a feeling she's about to step on all the podcast equipment anyway Uh, Back to Abigail. Abigail, uh, there's a couple that I would recommend. Um, One is, uh, I mean, Dave Ramsey's stuff. Um, I have mixed feelings on Dave Ramsey's methodology, but his basic like how to budget curriculum is pretty good. Uh, And it's pretty helpful and it's pretty practical. And I think it will touch on both how to leverage both of your expertise um in addition to dave ramsey and there may be more out there i haven't done this for a while but uh there is crown financial as well as compass financial both of them offer different offerings but how you can uh overall kind of have these conversations and it will walk you through budgeting 101 but also moreover and this is what i really like about we did compass financial together 
like how we are able to talk about this was critical. Like how we were able to like acknowledge our differences with money and come together to create a budget and to lean on each other's strengths. And they weren't even weaknesses, but just lean on each other's strengths with us. So I uh, would, would strongly recommend one of those options and work through it together and, you know, work through it solo if you have to, but also if you can find a group. Uh, I We did ours with a big group of folks and it was super helpful because we not only got each other's perspective, but we got a lot of other, a lot of others' perspectives in the room. So if there's a civic group church around, maybe even on their website, they have uh, local groups, but it's great to do it in a group. It's really helpful and it fuses a little bit of the tension. So thank you for that question, Abigail. And then finally, Danica, Danica Elder writes, thank you so much for spotlighting, uh, spotlighting Charlene's sibling podcast. Okay. The podcast that Danica is writing about is the special needs sibling podcast. We talked about it a few weeks ago on the show. Uh, and, uh, we had, we had Charlene on Charlene is was like, and is such a great guest. I, I said this before, we have to find a reason for Charlene to come back on. Um, so uh, the special needs podcast, uh, but Danica goes on to write, I, uh, as a sibling of a special needs person, I have been so encouraged by that podcast in ways I never knew I needed. So Danica, that's awesome. Uh, and I hope, uh, I hope Charlene is listening. Charlene, you're doing good work. Also, Danica writes, thank you for your real, uh, thank you and your realtor for the very freeing information about real estate and the possibility of buying a house someday. As a single 30 year old teacher, it seems so impossible some days, I can imagine. But alas, it may just be possible uh, to be confident financially and buy a home when I'm ready. Danica, that you are a single 30 year old teacher and you're thinking about this is awesome and that you emailed me was just incredibly cool also i'm not gonna say your email out loud but i like your email address it's a super fun email address and you seem like a perfect teacher so thank you thank you for emailing and danica and abigail and mary thank you all for reaching out uh if you have any questions or feedback it can be critical too it's okay anything that uh, kind of uh, resonated with you. I'm here. Would love to read that, possibly share that on the show. Also, uh, as we are talking about the special needs podcast, the special needs sibling podcast, that was part of a segment called You Do You, where we share projects that you are working on. My friend Annie has very much allowed me to launch this, and I would love to, with what group of people we got together here, help you launch your thing. So, email me. It's all eddiecoffelts.com. It's all right there. Uh, and you can email me and share with me your project and I will do my best to share them. We get a lot of them, but I would love to be able to share them over time. So thank you for that. All right. That's about it, right? Yeah. I said that's about it weirdly, but I think we're done. All right. Let's do the closing music. Thank you as always to you for being here. Thank you for subscribing wherever you listen to podcasts and subscribing to the newsletter. And thank you uh, for sending in uh, your question. Again, thank you to Questioner for allowing us into this very uh, personal question. If you have a question that you would like to be in it, this or future advice columns, let me know. EddieKoffelt.com. As always, thank you to Uncle Jimmy for editing the newsletter. And more than anything, I'm just really grateful that we got to be here together today. That's it. I am already hard at work on next week's Doing the Best We Can and glad we will get to hang out then. Bye.